Welcome back to Beyond the Sectors, your bi-monthly podcast all about the beyond world of author duo Kit Roca. My name is Chelsea. And I'm Anna. And today we are here to do the first of two novella episodes. These are the set of novellas that come in the Okane for Life series, which are post-end of the Beyond world, um, but are longer than the Beyond AGA stories that we've been reading for our last couple episodes. Uh, so the first one is Beyond Doubt. Uh, do you want to give us a quick little like plot summary, Anna? Sure. Yeah, so this is Six and Bren in Sector 3. They've established themselves there. They have have a center of operations. They're trying to figure out how to rebuild the sector and make a difference uh, in a place that has been destroyed for a long, long time. And they end up uh, interrupting a burglary in progress, and it becomes all about what happens next. Uh, this is... Maybe one of my favorite out of all the novellas and shorts that we've read. Um, and it feels a little hard to like compare these to like the Beyond HEAs because those stories are so much shorter and so much more kind of contained. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff and we get a lot of glimpses of different things kind of going on in the world building in these novellas. Um, which, you know, makes sense to me, given that these are the two kind of beyond specific things that Brie and Donna have written since transitioning to writing about Sector One. And like these are their kind of flashbacks back to that. So it's really fun and interesting to see things that we've kind of seen in the shorter stories, but really see them kind of get expanded on here. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we have a little interlude where we go over to uh, Jenny and Hawk's house. And so you get to connect with everybody. And it's how, how you know, there's babies and all that. How the, the world has changed. That the O'Kane community is different. Um, and then we also have just what happens next with a couple. You know, they Six and Bran have really grown into a partnership. They know how to, they're learning how to run a sector together and um and really letting six trust her instincts about what things that she needs to do and how they complement each other and it's just so neat that all like it's not just a like it's not a conflict between each other so much as how to win people over and all that and how they work together and something and it's it's i think it's worth like that is worth exploring in here because this is so much of a different life for Bren and for Six as characters. And these are characters that we've seen, like their lives have prepared them for war in whatever myriad of ways that that has taken place. Like their lives, both before they met each other and then through their developed relationship were, you know, honed and kind of crafted to survival and the survival instincts. And now a big question for all of the O'Kanes in this series, but specifically for them, because Six as a sector leader is... Okay, that's done. Like, I do think it's interesting that they make several points of noting that, like, the war will never really be over, that there's a way that they've learned to live their lives adapted to survivability that you don't just get rid of. But they're also answering the question of, like, what now? What does our future look like? And how does how is that different than the other futures for the, the different sectors or for the different O'Kane groupings? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting when we talk about the, like, the old guys that just talk about the days before the war, right? Uh, but when they're talking about, like, before the bombings of three, right? And 
can those people learn to live in this world? Um, and to some extent, some people can, and others are never going to come over. Um, and you see like Brandon Six trying to figure out how to help people make the right transition, especially like with the little kids. They still have hope that they don't have to just live their life on the street. Like both Brandon Six had, were molded by that. They want to do something better for them. What's fascinating is that this this story runs such a gamut of intergenerationality in that like we have this group of old timers who are like old timers that you know from like you're saying back when the sectors were first bombed before Brandon you know when Brandon Six were children this is Mm -hmm. pre all you know what we know of them and also you have this new generation of kids who's only known this existence and then they're having this kind of new world and these new possibilities opened up for them in this like way that still makes them very wary and it's interesting because there are a lot of parallels between three and four Mm -hmm. with the main distinction being that three never had the leadership that ended up kind of coming up through Dallas and and four kind of had this set of hands or this group of set of hands kind of shaping and molding how it was going to come out. And three didn't ever really have that for a whole variety of different reasons. And so it's the parallels are interesting to see, given that that's such a big point of contrast. Yeah, especially when you get to know three, you know, there's a lot of quality people in three. A lot of people who become very foundational to the O'Kanes come from, uh, from three. And yet... Because they were lacking a leader with vision or willingness to actually put in the hard work, they never recover. Um, So, you know, it's that guy's stupid fault for just taking up space. You know, Mm -hmm. he he was a leader that wasn't a leader. So there was never any real growth that happens in uh, in three. When then now you can see, like, if somebody invests, there's people who want to work. Um, if somebody sees that rubble as an opportunity, new, new things can grow there. Uh, while for years, you know, like I, I love the first time we ever went back to six and they talked about like we have six, um, not back to six, back through six goes back to three. Um, uh, it's and- so hard. It's a brain on it. Why, why with the number <laughs> name? Like I get it, but like we're, we're talking about the sectors and the six, it's just, oh. I get it. It's, it's, it's difficult friends. <laughs> Bear with us a little bit. <laughs> Is a little convoluted. But the first time we go back there and beyond pain, um, she she gets a little depressed that it looked like people had tried to clean it up a little, and it was still like, you know, just rubble. So, Sad trombone, yeah, yeah. So so it's interesting that they get the hard job. They're there to make it work, and you know their hearts. You know, I love the moment where they realize that they could make a difference with these kids. And that they're not going to be baby people. They're not baby people. But give them some kids that need some help that they can do this. They'll figure this shit out. Um, yeah, I love that's one of my the mo- the things that I love the most about this book. Because we've talked by now in this point plenty. One of the core, the themes and the cores of this story is that Happily Ever After looks different for everybody. And, and as long as everybody is living the life that brings them joy, the form and the, the the parameters in which that takes can be so variant. And this book really is just a shining like billboard and testament to that whole idea. Because from the moment that they had, you know, we open, like you were saying, on this very domestic scene at Jenny and Hawks and the whole family is there. And it's 
babies. It's all babies, 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 which is very exciting and very, very cute. I mean, I have a baby. Six is like, oh, yeah. Six's thing is like, I may know how to deal with babies because I grew up in the the sector I grew up in, but like, I didn't be no, no, no. They're not down for babies. That's not their thing. But at the same time, they are creating this family, and they're very much so adopting in these these children who have nowhere to go and it's it's really sad but really beautiful and poignant to watch Bren and Six kind of have to dance that dance of they know what that's like and they know how untrusting these kids are and why but they also know that if they can just kind of pick the lock so to speak Mm -hmm. they can get these kids into a whole different life that they now are lucky to have and we I love how many conversations we have about Coop and how how much we get to hear about him as Bren's kind of mentor and you know entrance into this new life for him and how his legacy is kind of living on through the two of them I thought was especially touching as kind of like a side character almost yeah absolutely because his imprint and his role in saving Bren from the street you can see it in Bren knowing that he can reach this boy even though you know he could have just taken him down taken his gun away sent him off to do something but he recognizes somebody who is in need of help and is redeemable who has an opportunity to like like there's a way to get him in a better place and he's so patient because he remembers being that very wary kid you know being the one who had to like steals things a few times before he realized that Coop wasn't gonna do something to him Mm. so yeah I mean like that moment where he first like okay yeah come on over I'll I'll show you how to clean the gun and you know he just keeps Mm -hmm. slowly sort of showing him this is safe and having the food there and looking the other way like they stuffed their pockets and having the coloring pencils uh, and then having, oh, we get to see Ace come and color. Uh, it's so good. It's so good <laughs> on it. Like, I love, like, I love that the Ace is like the baby guy, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, like, I love that for a variety of reasons. But like, there's something about the way that the, the soft aspects of this book operate in terms of the food and the fact that, is it one of Hawk's? moms or is it someone from sector one it's 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 some kind of like extended yeah family she's somebody who's sort of taken over kitchens. a kitchen and mm-hmm. and but she you know she does the thing where like she brings over the paper bags and kind of like scolds the kids to not waste food but also it's very clearly to like send these street kids home with extra to eat because they know they don't have so it's this very interesting like i love that part of the interaction and dealing with these kids is like not bullshitting them and not giving them a bunch of platitudes. And, you know, I love the scene when not only do they let the kids go, but like the thing that sets Bren off is not that he's being held at gunpoint. It's when this kid like gives some lit to six, like he kind of like gives her sass and like takes the piss out. And that's what makes Bren be like, hey, like you can rob us, but do you don't talk to her like that. And so it's just very like. It's it's really interesting and I think really fun to kind of see how they have to do that dance and how they have to be parents, right? Like they're not going to be biological parental figures, but Bren and Six are very much so becoming parents and parental figures to this group. And it's similar to Lex and Dallas, but also very different yeah. 
in a lot of ways because of the way the sector is and how they have to operate. Well, and some it. of it's because six is the leader of sector three. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, Dallas got away with a lot of posturing, right? And yeah. standing with his dudes Which, and all oh, that man. kind of stuff. We will talk about that in the next one. <laughs> so much posturing. <laughs> There's a lot of that. But six has to approach it completely different way. She has to figure out how to get the respect of the old dudes in their trust where they will come to her and recognize that she's the leader. I mean, they want to talk to Bren. <laughs> they rather must mm-hmm. whisper something on Bren's ear. But they'll come to her now. But it takes a while. They, they, she needs to pick away at that. And so establish her authority without rubbing it uh, into their faces because she needs to listen to them, right? And showing mm-hmm. that she can listen to them and that they can't, that she won't take the dismissal, lets them sort of like, and she, and I love that the strategy, she doesn't need to win all of them over. She has to win a few of them over and they'll do that mm-hmm. rest of that work. And that basically that will speak for her and her value as a leader. So it's a very different kind of soft power that she has to learn how to wield. Um, and that's where, you know, her mentorship under Lax is always going to show um, in her, in the way she rules. And I love that passage, right? Because there's a, there's a passage where they're reopening, they're getting ready to do the soft open on the new Birkin circle. And, and, you know, six is kind of been struggling with this idea of like her home is now in sector three, but also her home home, her heart home is always at the broken mm-hmm. circle. And so she's kind of wrestling with finding her place within that. But and there's a passage where she specifically goes on to talk about how Lex will always be her queen yeah. and kind of her mentor and her figure. And I love that so much. But I also really appreciate the fact that Bren is also operating. Like it's a very interesting kind of dual soft mm-hmm. power that they're mm-hmm. wielding because Bren is very much so aware of the fact that he has a certain standing with the older men in this community because he's a man and because he's an ex-military mm-hmm. man. And he's aware of that and he's willing to use that or acknowledge that in a way that continues to funnel the power back to Right. He, he doesn't displace says, her. Like, he's not sort of like, mm-hmm. okay, you can talk. No, he always stirs them back to six, but he'll listen to them. Mm-hmm. He'll get to know them. He'll gather information. So she has it. Um, it's just, again, like, Partnerships that are affirming and that you're better together Mm -hmm. than a competitive kind of relationship. Which we then see really kind of get brought out in like a different aspect of that when we get to like the sex scene in this novel. Because, there, you know, there are a couple. There's obviously like a voyeuristic Mm -hmm. kind of group sex thing at that soft open. But then after that, we transition back to just Brennan Six alone. And it's Six engaging in pain play with Bren and we get to see that like she's been taking lessons with Ace she's starting to trust herself a lot more but there is still this kind of a line that she hasn't mm-hmm. crossed like I love that we get a scene of of him explicitly being like that she is the only one I can like let all of my walls mm-hmm. down with but I also kind of get that feeling and I got it again on rereading it this time that like there is still that part of their relationship that they are still Yeah, that there's still growth, still that they're still figuring themselves out, that they're, yeah, there was certainly like, they, they have progressed to a new point, but she is still learning him and learning where she can take him and trust herself to go. Um, 
in learning that power and responsibility there. Um, so you feel that weight and that it is a place that they're definitely, you know, like it isn't boom, everybody's perfect and everything fits. It Everything takes growth and time. And that's where like, that's mm-hmm. something I really just respect about uh, Brie and Donna's writing that these couples, as we see them go through time, who they are and how they relate to each other is not static. Um, the world mm-hmm. around them affects them. Uh, and what they l- have learned about themselves affects how they relate to each other. And that's beautiful because that's how, that's how relationships work. It isn't boom, page closed, done. Uh, check in with us 80 years from now. We have exactly the same relationship. Mm-hmm. And especially in this world, right? Given the fact that we have, ju- this community has just gone through such a huge upheaval of power structures and organizations and people have died They, you know this is this is post thing so this is now community that's missing people and and you know we've already mentioned and i just really appreciate that in both of these novellas you very much so get this sense that like they have found a new normal but they are all still dealing with the lingering effects of that and what that's going to look like and so i really appreciate this idea of that change being reflected like you were saying in both the sexual dynamics and also the leadership dynamics of Bren mm-hmm. and Six. Um, did we have kind of transitioning slowly towards the end like do we have any really hugely favorite parts or any parts that didn't work as well or we would have liked to see expanded like expanded a little bit more? No for me this is one of my favorites absolutely one of my favorites. I love Bren and Six and I love connecting with them here. Um my favorite scene will be it's the scene when they're when the kids bring all the other kids and they're and they're so hesitant and there's the book the when she the 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 older girl who's been caretaking the others has a book to read and for six is such a moment where she like wants to make sure that she gets to read it but also understands that she can't the girl can't take it because she feels like she could lose it and it's it's such a moment of like it's gonna be here for you when you come back, um, and it calls back to you know six has to learn how to read uh, at one point in her story, and so she understands sort of value the value of that ability you know so it's, she wants to find so I mean you know as a reader that's just a mm-hmm. sweet sweet moment yeah that's really that's a really touching scene and I I love it because there's this added layer of like. Six kind of messes up, right? Like she says kind of off the cuff, like, oh, you can definitely take that book with you, but you have to promise to take care of it and bring it back. Yeah. And like, that sounds like kind of such a, just an easy thing you to think, say. Yeah, such so a generous, realize, like, you know, and and she doesn't. Yeah, it just, you know, that's what you say when you loan someone something, mm-hmm. right? Like, just take care of it, bring it back when you can. But like, that immediately puts the girl on the defensive because she knows living the life she lived, like she can't yeah. promise to take care of it. She can't promise it won't get stolen. She can't. She has so, so much she's already kind of taken care this, of. This. She's taking care of all these little kids. Mm-hmm. The, the book, as much as she loves it, doesn't measure up. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it kind of displays this one of the ways that six has changed, right? And is, is kind of she's she is now in a place where that like once she says it she realizes but she's also reached a place of comfort in her own life where she doesn't immediately have to be on that kind of defensive guard all the time and so I just thought it was a really kind of beautiful extra layer and then of course she says it will be here you can come back you can do it whenever you want and that really kind of you can see changes that girl's life kind of you know and so it's 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 I love that scene I love 
there it's a very small scene but when Bree or when uh, Six and Bren get back to their apartment and they have like a kitchen table is full of all like broken down guns that they've been cleaning the night before and she talks about how like you know Jenny and Hawk can keep their version of kind of domesticated mm-hmm. bliss mm-hmm. like this table full of cleaned gun parts like that is her and Bren's version of the happily ever after and so it's just this really lovely kind of display of seeing you know which and of course it's a callback to the first time like she watches Mm -hmm. him break down the gun which is a very like sexy (laughs) thing for her and gives her like feelings she has to dig through so it's just a really nice little like Mm -hmm. callback and also a really good like example of their relationship and how it's different for them yeah just such a it's just such a simple moment for yeah but for them that is domesticity the jointly sitting down and breaking down a gun much more than you know cooing a baby together (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's just, I absolutely love it. I'm with you. This is one of my, like, forever favorites. I love this novella. Um, I mean, I you know, obviously we love all of what Bray and Donna do, but for some reason, this relationship and this found family in this way always, like, makes yeah. me smile. So, well done. All right, friends, that is a slightly shorter episode, but that wraps up uh, kind of our feelings and thoughts about Beyond Doubt. We will be back in two weeks to talk about Beyond Forever, which is the Lex and Dallas series of vignettes slash flashback. We finally get to see the night that they meet. We finally get to see what happens when he catches a Lex arm deep in his safe. So (laughs) come back Uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll be talking about that. Do you want to tell them where they can find us in the meantime, Anna? Yes, you can find us at beyondthesectors.com. You will find all our show notes and links to all uh, the uh, books we talk about in each episode. And then you can also find us at Beyond Sectors on Twitter. Wonderful. And I am on Twitter as at an outlaw life. And I'm there as Anna Cookie. And uh, all right, friends, until next time, come let us know all your Beyond Doubt thoughts. And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you beyond the sectors. Bye, guys. Bye.